Today, I'll be interviewing Asher Casanova. Asher is a co-worker of mine at JP Morgan and has had an impressive and real-world approach to entrepreneurship. He's a rising senior at Babson University, and in this episode, Asher discusses going from an idea to a product, testing your product for market fit, and main lessons learned from various projects he has pursued. Everyone, please welcome Asher Casanova. Hey y'all, I'm Chinmay Pingel, and this is the Young Money Podcast. Through my early adult life, I've always wanted to find a way to make money. As I go through college and the corporate life is awaiting around the corner, I continue wanting to find new hustles, which hopefully can one day take over a corporate job. The Young Money Podcast is for listeners who are looking for new, innovative ways to make money in a way that is feasible for young adults. If you think you or someone you know is making money in a way that people would be interested in hearing about, please email me at cmpingale at gmail.com. What's up, Asher? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Are you enjoying Chicago? Oh, Chicago's been beautiful. I mean, we I had bet. a thunderstorm last night, but other than that, it's been such a great city yeah yeah i mean yeah we've talked about it i i really enjoyed chicago this summer super beautiful um did, like and for those of you at home asher's not from chicago he just works in chicago right now we met at like a jp morgan orientation and we've scheduled a couple one-on-ones and i'm super excited he's on so yeah we can just go ahead and get started I am aware kind of of your entrepreneurship background and aspirations, but could you just talk about a little bit about like how you got into entrepreneurship or what it was when you were a kid or when you got into college that you were like, oh, like I want to build something. Sure. Yeah. Well, first, thank you for having me. And yeah, of uh, course. Like excited to kind of just talk about everything. Mm-hmm. So kind of, I, I always knew that I wanted to do something. Um, there was just kind of this urge that like I wanted to have kind of control over a business or, or or something just like to help like basically solve problems that was really like what drove it um so as a kid like I would like just do a bunch of different things to try to like gain skills and around it tried to launch like a clothing company at, at one point um that was interesting I was 12 years old didn't know what I was doing like bought a bunch of merchandise didn't sell anything it was like (laughs) it was like big disaster but it taught me a lot like it taught me yeah about like inventory and like all that type of stuff so fast forward years later and um actually one of my friends approached me to kind of start up uh portable benefit system for gig economy workers and that was like just a really crazy experience um so like we co-founded that company together called Mm -hmm. giggy technologies yeah and basically our our whole goal was to solve the problem within the gig like the gig economy where there was no benefit structure there was nothing and we actually ended up like running into what's this law called the ab5 which is trying to reclassify workers in california as uh, like 
or uh, independent contractors as full-time employees. Okay. So that was really the pain point that we were trying to solve. And kind of the bottom like line of that is we saw that there was a flexible like economy, which needed a flexible solution. It wasn't okay. a law. It wasn't like Uber just doing whatever they want. There needed some kind of give and pull. And that's where we came in. Got um, it. Two things. First, let's turn our cameras off because I think you're lagging a little on my end. Okay. So no, no worries with that. Um, the second is, yeah. So I, before we get into um, like Giggy, could we talk? So let's just run it back about like when you were 12. Um, I have had like kind of similar experiences and I agree like there is like sometimes a bug that like exists in people who are super or want to be super entrepreneurial. Like what like lessons would you say you learned from that? Like really quickly, obviously, because it was so long ago. I'm sure yeah. like it's just a little bit of being young and naive, but talk about like, well, how, kind of how that shaped your mind and like how that changed what you did moving forward. Yeah, sure. So I think like, especially being so young, like you just kind of think things are easy. Um, and like, you're just going to go buy all these like, like t-shirts and whatever and people are gonna buy them right like if you're you're taking yeah. the initiative to go design it and do all that stuff and like bring people together and you just think that okay like this is gonna work out i think that was like i mean obviously it was 12 but like i think that was just a big lesson that you you really do need to have that marketing portion you need to have mm -hmm. that like kind of business savvy um it's not just like go out there, get a bunch of stuff and like things will happen on its own. You have yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. Um, but if you're willing to make things happen, it, it really does then translate into, you know, things going your way and kind of building out what you really want to build out. Yeah. So, and I, I think, think that's no, cool. that's a that's a great, that's a great takeaway for 12 years old. And yeah, I agree. I mean. I've also had my fair share of like trying to build something out. I'll spend a bunch of time up front building it without really knowing if anyone even wants it. And I think that was, I think that's like one of the best lessons I could have learned. It's just how to structure when you're building things to make sure like you can get a test for if the market wants it and stuff like that. But yeah, so Giggy, could you just give like the one minute pitch? I know you were doing this a little earlier, so sorry for like tracking it back but just like a really quick overview on what Giggy is and then go into like how you started. I know you, you, you kind of started with the California law, but just a one minute pitch would be awesome. Yeah, sure. So basically Giggy was a portal benefit system for gig economy workers. We were really trying to create a like one-stop shop mobile app to facilitate like benefit, like financial incentives almost for mm -hmm gig workers so you could go drive DoorDash and then go drive Uber and we would be that centralized place that you're getting kind of um, these financial incentives and that could be through our one of our initiatives called socially conscious tipping which mm -hmm. we were unfortunately we didn't get to fully test it but mm -hmm. um, because of the pandemic but we were placing placards in the back of uh, people's cars with like QR codes where people could directly donate to a, their financial cause 
just Got to it. give an example, like Chin Mei, you're driving Uber mm-hmm. and, and Lyft to pay student loans. Yeah. We would have that story written out. We would work with the drivers. We would do all that. And then as, as basically like a, an alpha test, we were going in hoping that that would kind of drive the like tipping scenario because like tipping is just kind of horrible mm-hmm. in that industry yeah. people yeah. don't do it so that's that was our hope that was one of the ways that we were hoping to drive like financial incentive got it okay slash benefits um and like there's a couple other you know like initiatives slash things that we would do but it was really just a one-stop kind of shop that you were mm-hmm. able to kind of accumulate those benefits financial incentives whatever you want to call it got it so could you run through how you thought of this or whether it's you or your co-founder and then kind of those laws and regulations that you considered yeah sure so my co-founder he came to me with the idea um to do portable benefits and we didn't really have a structure of like how how are we going to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, he's very much so finance facing. So he yeah. was doing kind of more how, how will we get these benefits? Like what, how do we structure that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we move that money around all that stuff? And I was kind of more working on how do we like increase tipping? How do we like develop this into a story? etc kind of doing more of the business operations and development around it so we worked hand in hand to kind of create what it became and um then 2019 ab i think 2019 2020 i don't have the exact date ab5 became a big issue uber and lyft started spending like a hundred million dollars in legal fees trying to fight it Right now, actually today, um, there's a protest in California from truckers um, trying to overturn like and sit down with Governor Newsom to Uh try to like negotiate something because so like. Why is it so bad? Like, why do they not want to be contractors? Is it like a tax thing? No, basically what happens right now is um kind of go into it but so full-time basically the law would make independent contractors which is technically what an uber and uber driver is yeah yeah is under the like california Uh labor law yep um the law would shift them into full-time employees Meaning they're entitled to health benefits, entitled to oh, X, Y. Okay, okay, okay. But if that you're makes driving, sense. let's say ten hours on average, mm-hmm. you're not really working a full time, like ten hours a month. Yeah. On yeah. average, you're mm-hmm. not working a full time job. Mm-hmm. So that was really like where we saw the need was we want to help people. We don't want Got to. It. We're not going in here and saying this law is bad because they're trying to provide people with things. Uh-huh. It just it doesn't make. It's not mutually beneficial for the businesses, the people, and everyone in the ecosystem. And that's yeah, what we're yeah. trying to accomplish, was trying to build something out that really, the companies, they can't afford to have however many full-time employees. Mm-hmm. And the people who work 10 hours a week, like 
they can't like how do you give them health benefits yeah, right yeah so that's yeah. where as an intermediary that's where we were working we were working got it got it try to create that flexible benefit system because it's such a flexible environment okay okay so one question like quick question i'll just fire at you it's like i personally like when i how did you like tackle this part of like and you've mentioned to, this to me like privately but like just how there's it's such a big approach like you you have to like shift an economy right like I, I think i forgot the exact verbiage you used but it was like you have to now like change a gear in the actual economy itself to go and be able to adopt this was your plan to like hopefully get uber or lyft to endorse you or how are you going to go like car to car yeah so yeah so our first our first real roadmap is i think one of the biggest things in like starting your own business entrepreneurship all that is taking a complex problem and breaking it down and testing it yeah. so we because of the pandemic because of everything like we didn't end up being able to do everything we wanted but we broke it down into three segments socially conscious tipping company match and then the driver would be able to contribute to their their benefits as well. Oh, yeah. You know, okay. you know 5% of your rides that yeah. you make will go directly into this account that, like, like consolidates all this money. Yeah. So in order to really do that, you have to have partnerships, right? So, like, the yes, the goal eventually would be to like be integrated into Uber and Lyft and have our tipping system, everything kind of work through them. Mm -hmm. um, but we really wanted to test socially conscious tipping first. Could we drive more tips? And like yeah. maybe did we not need company match? Like were we driving tips by like you know two x or something? Whatever it was, like we we wanted to find that data behind that and yeah then yeah. we could we couldn't end up doing it but mm -hmm. i think it's breaking that problem down because it is it's changing the it was like you said changing the way the whole gig economy worked mm -hmm. not just like having a niche solution yeah 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 so, you know so yeah like as far as like i i, I think that's a great lesson to just like learning to break down a problem because even with the most simple of ideas, at least what I've learned, like a couple of projects I'm working on in like when you verbally say it, it's actually sounds super simple, but then there's always, it's always gonna take longer than you think. Like it's always gonna have like more steps you didn't foresee. And I agree with you that like breaking down and like understanding A, is it actually gonna work? So in your case, like are these tips actually gonna increase? And then B, like shifting from there instead of shifting, shifting from not ever doing step a and i want to talk about the actual process of getting step a like how did you go about finding essentially you're like testing the market right so how did you go about finding drivers who are willing to do it or like was it just your buddy who had been driving uber yeah so that's a great question um i was actually in school in dc at the time and basically like we were part of an incubator program and we we had some guidance there mm -hmm. and they were just like go get an ubers like they yeah. just i was like okay so i i have to, I, I don't have the exact numbers mm -hmm. but i was in an uber 
I think for my in, like until so like that was my freshman year of college and like uh the pandemic hit spring springtime so like first semester and a half like almost every day wow like every every like maybe at least every like week like I don't remember there was definitely like 60 70 80 Ubers that I was in Jeez. at a point and I just sit there and I would kind of just talk to them and, uh-huh. and see what are your big issues like all that type of stuff like kind of doing a, a lot of user-centric like research um, uh-huh. and then at the end we were kind of getting to the point where we wanted to ask like 10 or 12 or so drivers to come join that that like sort of alpha mm-hmm. test that yeah. we had designed when we were in the process we had like four drivers committed to doing it and then mm-hmm. the pandemic hit and then i went home my co-founder went back to canada where he is from and mm-hmm. became like logistically like it, we couldn't do it yeah so, yeah so I still think there's like a bunch of like learning lessons there itself. And and I think like, what was the kind of, what advice would you give to someone in that step? Like personally, I think I'm pretty much in that step where I'm about to start going to potential clients or like potential users and talking to them about my product. Like, were you providing an incentive to for them to help you obviously I guess in this case the incentive is directly like they could get paid more but how did you like get their information and like this is a really nuanced question I'm probably being a little selfish when I ask this just because I want to know because I feel like I'm in that step right now like was it like you were literally like explain the business idea in the uber talked about a little and then we're like hey can I get your contact information or could you like message them through the uber app and stuff like that yeah basically so like like I think you, like, okay. So like in terms of like finding the customer, it was pretty easy, right? Like, yeah, yeah. basically did that for us, right? They would mm-hmm. connect to the driver, and I would get in their car, and I'm talking to my customer, um, mm-hmm. which I don't think a lot of people get when they're doing that type of user research. There's a lot more kind of steps that you have to take to find out who your customer is. And then once you have that, how do I connect with them, et cetera. So for us, you know, I would call an Uber, we'd get in the Uber, I would have a notebook and I'd kind of say, hey, like I'm doing this business to help you guys, like really frame it in that mm-hmm. way. Cause that really was the goal. That was the mission yeah. was yeah. to help the drivers at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, if you want to help in any way, kind of bring this off the ground, here's my business card. Feel free to contact me. Got it. Got it. So it was really up to them whether they wanted to join or not. And Mm -hmm. either way, they provided valuable information. Yeah, they did. Um, I could give you an interesting story about like what that research led to as well. Uh Um, Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Want to go into that. So that, so talking with my co-founder I was like look like the data shows that compensation is like the second biggest issue mm-hmm. um, and we so like that's the thing is compensation is always going to be focused on right yeah but what I heard from a lot of drivers was safety 
was their number one concern. Uh, I had okay. one driver kind of explain it and break it down to me and say, you know, like you, we go through background, background checks as drivers, but you guys just sign up for a profile, put a picture and you're in my car. Uh-huh. And he's like, I've been like, like basically like robbed and like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like I don't know anyone in the car. Mm-hmm. So that like kind of spurred like a little spinoff. Um, I would yeah. say I only like interesting on that, that idea for about, about a month or so. Uh-huh. Um, same blocker pandemic. No yeah. orders were going. It was that was tough, but like ended up trying to do something where it was like a safer Uber. Um, yeah. Okay. Like okay. match drivers to like mm-hmm. people that they knew, and like it would match a list. Like you would, have, you would have a list as a user and they would have a list. And then if not, like it would go to like a random person. But mm-hmm. that was just like, I think that's like a lesson that I learned from that experience is like, you might think that you're solving the big solution, but when you actually talk to the customer, that's not like their largest concern. Yeah. And in this case, it was, both compensation and safety like though it, it was two different like issues but they're both very prevalent within the industry so it just depended on which angle you wanted to take yeah that makes sense no that's i feel like there's probably so many good things that came out of that um like just that whole effort and i could tell i mean even off the bat there's like lessons you've learned that i feel like i can learn from too but let's move on pandemic hits everyone and their moms get screwed all all like a bunch of businesses kind of start to bubble out like i mean as like it's not they naturally would like um incredible pressures on like the economy so you move on from the first effort like giggy and you move on to what i understand is called phylect yeah okay can we yeah so can we just get the one minute pitch on that as well yeah so phylect kind of came out of me being home during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and wanting to learn more about financial literacy and you know this was during like kind of like during the pandemic where game stock and like or like all that you know like all that yeah yeah around investing yeah like there's not really like a solution to uh, like give real advice not saying like go out and like here's how to like day trade and Mm -hmm. do yeah yeah this is how you get a mortgage this is what a mortgage Mm -hmm. means like really trying to increase that literacy like I think 33% of Americans are financially literate, literate. Like I could, I forget the stat off the head, but it was, it was like, it was a, yeah, yeah, it was, I know. Yeah. And so that's where that idea came from. I wanted, I knew that I wanted to do it on mobile. I thought that kind of like, I was like, looking at different apps, looking at Duolingo. And I was like, well, Duolingo's kind of pitch is that you could be like at a bus stop mm-hmm. and learn a different language. And that's how I kind of thought of Violet was like, you could be taking 10 minutes out of, out of your day when you're waiting at the doctor's office or you're mm-hmm. doing this to 
to learn about finance and learn about how you could kind of, you know, either save better or maybe start investing. Like once you start mm -hmm. gaining that knowledge. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I pivoted to after Giggy once, you know, a bunch of things happened with Giggy in between, but like just during the pandemic, I saw that need. Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of going back to what you said, Philect, I think, gave me another really important lesson mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like, you mentioned that like you did a lot of front end work, like in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Really knowing if people wanted it or any of that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what happened with that as well. Like, um, I was teaching myself how to code like like iOS apps. Okay. And yeah. It was a year and a half before it even like I it was it was halfway done. Like okay. so Got it. it there's a lot of great skills I got out of it, uh -huh. but as, as like a company, it it missed the market opportunity by the time it was even remotely to like the place where it needed to be. Yeah, and and I I get that. Like I I definitely um, I, like I do that like too. Would you say like based on those like both these things that you worked on like Gigi Phylak there's all these learning lessons. Like, what would you say are like the few takeaways like you would, if, if like you would give to someone else, you'd be like, Hey, like I worked on this for like three, two plus years. This is what I think were the biggest takeaways. What would you say? Yeah. So I would say that one look like those companies weren't like successful. Right. Yeah. But I wouldn't go back and say, like, I'm not going to do it because it's not, you know, like mm -hmm. now knowing that yeah. do anything. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I wouldn't change that route. The, mm -hmm. like, with Giggy, I learned a lot about trying, like, user-centric design and trying to talk to people and seeing how to, like, build that data out of, like, literally yeah. talking and building empathy with yeah user and the customer uh, while like with Violet, I really gained a lot of technical skills like it kick-started a lot of like programming stuff that I really wanted to get into like mm -hmm. I've done like, uh, uh, like automatic newsletter just for myself and like a couple nice. friends mm -hmm. like just like literally like it kick-started technical learning mm -hmm. and so like the biggest advice, especially in this day and age that like I would give to anyone is understand software. Yeah. yeah. Understand like just what is like able to be done. And uh -huh. it's actually interesting. The other day I got like really great advice because I was talking to a software engineer uh -huh. and like Phylect, I started two and a half years now. So like I've been coding for like, a good while and I'm not a computer science major I'm a business major I don't study this and I was talking to him I'm like I feel like I'm so far behind like everyone yeah because like I don't know data structures I don't know like you know all these different yeah, yeah. Like, kind of really computer science heavy things and he like what he told me was you're coming at it from a different perspective you're just trying to build if you duct tape something together, 
and like build it in a month or two and then prove that it works yeah yeah then we'll move it to a real like tech team and then mm-hmm. they'll build it out and make sure it's cool he really said all of those principles are for like enterprise like mm-hmm. large scale type things so i think to kind of bring it all together is what he was trying to like say is don't be scared to like learn and like don't feel like you don't know anything. If you could whip up a website like mm-hmm. that, and it, you know, on the back end, it might not be the prettiest code. It might not yeah, be, anything, yeah. but it's up. It's there. Yeah. It's no, agreed. Yeah. Um, and I think from uh, like startup slash entrepreneurship perspective, that's the skills that you should be looking for. It's not necessarily yeah. like like how do I build a you know Facebook level app. Mm-hmm when I just first started yeah more like how can I you know put an app on the app store or build a website that's running you know like little yeah like just I agree I agree so I would say that's the biggest thing is understand software that's like today's age everything revolves around so and I'll add this and like as you said that like I was drawing some similarities and connections to that so I, my journey, so I'm an MIS major, which is essentially like CS at business, like a really light, or not really light, but there's a, there's a good amount of coding and it can be very difficult. I used to hate coding. Like I hated it coming into high school. I hated it my freshman year. And then after my freshman year, I had like a shortcoming because I was trying to transfer into an honors program that I like cared about a lot. And it's after I didn't get in that I was like, hold on, like, let me think about what I actually need. Like, is it this honors program on my name or is it like potentially switching? And like, and I, and I heard about learning about software from an old boss of mine who had his own startup. And he pretty much, I called him because me and my friend were starting one of our own things. And he's like, one of y'all needs to at least learn. Like one of y'all needs to be able to communicate how like code, like software, just data, whatever it is. And so that's when I made that switch. And so like, I agree. That's like one of the best lessons that came out of something I started that never ended up working out either. Um, And to anyone who's listening, like it honestly is worth it. I like had the biggest hurdle in my head. Like I did not believe I could learn, but I ended up learning. I went went to, there's a Harvard CS50 course. And that was my first essentially intro to CS. How did you, like what, what resources did you use Asher to like, learn or you would recommend to other people to learn yeah so i started off actually like just like with youtube videos uh-huh. learning Swift, which is not the most useful yeah. in terms of like anything but like i had no clue what i was doing uh-huh. i just knew that like i could develop an ios app with it so um i would say that's where like I was just watching YouTube videos. I bought like a Udemy course. Like it was just like random stuff all over like the internet. Yeah. But a lot of those principles transitioned into the learning later where, you know, I did CS50. I did like, I tried to find online resources that nice, just nice. would do things. But I think where the biggest learning like came from was trying to do little projects. Agreed. Agreed. After, like, so, like, I did Codecademy for a while, and Mm -hmm. I think it's great to get, like, an intro, like, 
type level and learn yeah. the syntax and learn all yeah. that but doesn't it like connect it at all to like yeah. A, yeah. A, like yeah. physical build so i would say like start off there get like exposure to it and then start like you have an idea wake up mm-hmm. try to build it out it might take you yeah. a month but like break down the problem and like know that once you get there it'll click in your head mm-hmm. yeah no that's brilliant i and i i couldn't agree more with like you saying like despite these startups not like ending up how you want it to or ending up like with the end vision like there's so much you learn. Like there's not, I've also been someone to try to build or start up a bunch of things. And a lot of them have failed. Some have done pretty well, but every single one, like I could not like tell you that I wish I'd never did it because I also think there's kind of like a domino effect where you learn something from one and you can apply it to the other. It's just like, the, it's, it's one of the best pieces of advice. Like just go out and build something. And I feel like that's really good. Um, and I guess for this last little segment, I would just ask because I feel like I'm in this predicament where I love talking to people who are startups or who are like making startups. I love kind of just the idea of building something on your own and proving to the like market and to the world and to yourself that it's a viable product. The market needs it. And then you're you're essentially prized for it. we're both working at JP Morgan right now, which is this huge corporate yeah. com- conglomerate. What is like your goal with, with just work in general after you graduate? Is it going straight into a startup? Is it getting some work experience? Like, how are you approaching this strategically? And what would you tell someone like me or like a listener who is also really interested in startups, but like understands that there is a certain level of like experience that might be useful? Yeah, so I think like, I would say this, do whatever like you're curious about, passionate about, and you can learn from. Like, I think that th- those are really the big things. If you're genuinely curious, you feel passionate, and you you could learn from that situation, that's what I would tackle. For okay. us, yeah. like, I think us being at JP Morgan right now, mm-hmm. it's it's a challenge coming from, you know, a much looser environment or mm-hmm. like or like jp morgan's highly highly regulated mm-hmm. um, and i think my kind of goal is how can i be innovative in an environment that's yeah. so rich yeah uh, yeah but again like that's just a personal goal of mine like for me i don't know how, where it'll take me i don't have a plan i don't have anything but like that's something I'm curious about. How do I nav- navigate those waters? Mm-hmm. But that's my current, you know, like learning project and like what I'm curious about. So it's like go out there, find what you're passionate about, and start trying to build solutions around it. Like that's yeah. really like what it yeah. is at the end of the day, because you'll learn so much from those experiences mm-hmm. and just being a continuous learner and like wanting to learn new things like i think that's like agreed where I, i'll leave it for like everyone <laughs> yeah yeah and, and i the one thing i would add to that too is like sometimes there's learning that isn't necessarily exciting but i think is still can be mission critical and i, I know from my experience just like 
even understanding how to make like executive level PowerPoints and like talk to clients in my case on the strategy team. Like, I think there's a lot to learn and even just com communication wise that like, I don't think someone should be super discouraged. And then the other thing is at least with <laughs> the position I have, I have time outside to work on things I'm interested in. And I use that time to work on things I'm interested. In. So yeah, I would, for any listener, if that's like your concern, Maybe like don't go for IB if you don't really care about it and you care about things outside of it so you can still pursue it. But I think that's really good. Asher, this has been a great interview. At the end of every interview, I've, as I mentioned, I give the opportunity for the guests to plug anything, um, shout, shout anything out or just give any parting advice. So the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, currently not working on anything. Um, I'm sure that I'll find something at some point, but I'm just trying to like, I guess like, again, like push learning, like whatever you could do, like you, like in the moment, it might seem like you said trivial. It might seem like this is the stupidest thing that you've ever done, but like five years down the line or even two years, one year, whatever the timeline is, that might come into play. Like, Mm -hmm. it even now like I woke up this morning and I saw the AB5 whole thing and that mm -hmm. it's still a debate we yeah. weren't able to you know solve it at that time and, and in place but I texted my co-founder I was like look like the need was there mm -hmm. like we like right and we that was something that we learned from we missed the market opportunity like we didn't really like have the skill set at the at that time but again, I wouldn't trade any of those experiences. I wouldn't trade any internship that you get, mm -hmm. any YouTube video that you watch, like every single thing that you do, that's a, like, take it as a learning opportunity. Yeah. It, yeah. Absorb it. It'll come into play at some point. Agreed. No, that's so That, I guess my part of the advice <laughs> is just be a lifelong learner and, mm -hmm and find what you're passionate about. Brilliant. If any of the listeners want to contact you, is there any way to do that? Where should they go? Yeah, I, I would uh, say go to my LinkedIn. Perfect. Um, that's probably the best place. A uh, little fun fact about me, I don't have social media anymore, so right. uh, except for LinkedIn. <laughs> so I would say go to my LinkedIn. You could request to like get my email or whatever. And like, uh -huh. um, also like I know you could probably contact Chinmay and yep. hope you know, I will I will so. probably include your LinkedIn in the bio or something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Way to reach me. Perfect. Thank you so much, Asher, for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Young Money Podcast. If you yourself or someone you know would be interested in coming on speaking on this podcast, please email cmpingale at gmail.com and I'll be more than glad to see what I can do.